This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Stuart Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. I got three people away. Good morning, everybody. There we go. All right. So we're back today. Uh, Some of you have had extended times away from school and all of that, and church carries on, and I'm thankful for that, that we have something that's normal in our lives. So uh, welcome back. And uh, we're back in systematic theology today. We're kicking off the third part, uh, Wayne Grudem's third part of systematic theology, the doctrine of man. So if you got your handouts, we'll go do some uh, quick review on where we've been, and then we'll jump into the creation of man. So just as a reminder, the primary textbook for the structure of this series, the framework, the way that we approach it, uh, is Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. So your first blank is structure, if you're a blank filler. Some of you are. Some of you come up to me after the class is over with and you go, I've lost a blank, what do I do? <laughs> well, breathe first, that's a good thing. And then uh, the, primary, uh, the primary text for the substance of this series is actually the scripture itself. So the structure is from Grudem, the substance is from the Bible. Uh, so those are the two uh, delineating factors there. So some of you may say, well, what is systematic theology? It's a great question. Uh, systematic theology is any study that answers the question, what does the whole Bible teach us today about any given topic? What does the whole Bible teach us today about any given topic? So when I kicked this series off, we did a lesson on Legos. Some of you remember that, the Lego lesson. It was an awesome lesson. I really enjoyed that. And I brought in all these Lego sets that my son had, and we set them out on the table in the middle of the room. It was, it was really cool. We did, really did play with Legos. And uh, the idea was that Lego sets are made up of what? Lego pieces, right? Lego sets are made up of Lego pieces. So we looked for all the blue pieces throughout all the sets. And we looked for all the red pieces throughout all the sets. And that's what systematic theology is. It's looking for a central theme, one idea all the way through Scripture. And what does all of Scripture say about any given topic? So we've looked at two major divisions so far. The first was uh, the systematic theology the Doctrine of the Word of God. That was February, March, and April of last year. Uh, And this is just answering a lot of questions about the Word of God. Uh, In September, October, November of last year, we did the Doctrine of God. And then uh, now we are up to the Doctrine of Man. So we'll look at the creation of man, man is male and female, the nature of man, what is sin, where did it come from, and then the covenants between God and man. And then later this year, we'll look at uh, the doctrines of Christ and the Holy Spirit, the Doctrine of Salvation, Uh, And then next year, we'll look at the doctrine of the church and the doctrine of the future, which I think is entirely appropriate that the doctrine of the future is in the future. So the jokes will get better today. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. All right, so let's jump right into the doctrine of man uh, and the creation of man. You'll notice that your notes uh, at the bottom of that page start with underneath the explanation and scriptural basis. What letter of the alphabet do they go to next? B, which implies that I skipped... A, yes, there's a big long section in the book about why uh, Grudem feels it is okay to refer to mankind as man and not humanity or humankind. Uh, It is extraordinarily technical. I understood about one-tenth of it, so I'm going to skip that if you're okay with it. All right, moving right along. So why was man created? So somebody give me an answer. Why was man created? To bring glory to God, right? Absolutely. So man is created to bring glory to God. Did God need to create man? 
No, why did God not need to create man? God's all in all, right? We've studied the doctrine of the Trinity, and we saw that the full relationships that were necessary for the universe, for, for the universe didn't exist, for, for the existence of God were present in the Trinity itself. So there was relationship. He didn't, uh, it's very common to hear the phrase that God created mankind to have someone to have relationship with. No, not at all. God had a relationship with the members of the Trinity inside God himself before man, before the universe, before anything. So that's not the reason that man was created. Uh, man was created to uh, give glory to God. So, so if we look at Genesis chapter 1, we're going to hang out in Genesis chapter 1 for a little bit because if we talk about creation, that's kind of where you want to go to. So Genesis chapter 1. So we'll get real fundamental. So who created everything? God. Which member of the Trinity created everything? Yes. I would say that they all had a part in this. The Father had the plan. Uh, Jesus Christ was the instrument of the Word uh, through this. The Holy Spirit hovers over the water, and after the Spirit comes, then life comes forth, which is a theme all throughout Scripture. When the Spirit shows up, then life springs forth. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, so we see these beautiful images. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, what day is it in verse 26? Somebody tell me. It was not, I'll take that one sneeze as day one. It was not day one, right? We'll reject that answer. What day was it in day 20, in verse 26? Day six. It was day six in verse 20. And who shows up in day six? Who shows up first in day six? God shows up first in day six. We learned this a little bit longer, a little bit more in detail in, in chapter two, but God himself shows up and he forms man out of the dust of the ground with his hands. How had he formed everything else in the universe before that? He spoke it. But with man, he got his hands dirty, which is a picture of the whole rest of the history of man, that he's going to have to continue to get his hands dirty with man, and he does. He gets down into the dust. He forms who? He forms Adam, right? So he forms Adam. And what does Genesis 1.26 say? It's like page two in your Bible, really. I mean, it, said, there we go. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. In whose image? In our. In our image. Okay, great. In our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Excellent. So, okay, so we're going to do our Puggles review. You knew this was coming, right? You, you ready? I'm ready. You ready? Awesome. So, day one, God made light. And whose image was light made in? Wasn't in anybody's image, right? Okay. He just, he spoke it, right? And day two, God made the sky. And whose image was the sky made in? You're not being helpful here. Okay. So day three. <laughs> no Imago Dei and Puggles, right? Okay. Well, that's, that's advanced Puggles, right? Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> so, so day three, what shows up in day three? Trees and grass. And those are created in whose image? You're really letting me down here, Amy. I mean, come on. This is not complicated. So day four? Sun, moon, stars. Sun, moon, stars. And whose image are they created in? Nothing. Right. Day five. Surely, by day five, we've got something here, right? Birds of the air, fish of the sea. Birds of the air, fish of the sea. And whose image are they created in? Nothing. So here's my question. Here's my question. 
through day five, what is like God? Nothing is like God. Nothing is like God through day five. And day six, God shows up. He gets his hands dirty. And he says, let us make man in our image. So now something in the created universe is like God other than the actual God himself, right? So this is a big deal. This is a really, really big deal. So, so our purpose in life is to glorify God, and we enjoy this. Now, your blank here, your next blank, is that we are more like God than anything else he made. I just want to let you soak on that for just a second. So what did he make? He made everything. He made the complexity of the entire universe. He made galaxies that we have not found yet. Things that we cannot see, depths that we cannot imagine. Unbelievable things. We, we, we continue to try to look at smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller things, and we don't understand what holds them together. That's not like God. We are the only thing in all of creation that is like God. This gives our lives significance. This gives us meaning. He didn't have to create us, and yet he did because he wanted to. So when you have one of those days that says, why am I here? This makes no sense. I don't understand what the purpose of all of this is about. You are made in the image of God. And it is a beautiful thing, right? I mean, think about that. There is nothing in the universe that is more like God than humanity. All right, so let's look at uh, what these words are for just a second. There's a couple of technical words here. So the word for image is the Hebrew word selem, and the word for likeness is the Hebrew word demut. I don't think this is on your handout. But I do want you to go to Genesis 5.3, because Genesis 5.3 helps us understand, so what does image and likeness really mean? Right, because, so how, how like God are we like God? Diagram that sentence. Challenge, Miss Stacy Bandy. There you go. Diagram that sentence. How like God are we like God? We don't diagram anymore? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I didn't like it either, so I didn't do very well in it. All right, so Genesis 5.3. So what does Genesis 5.3 say? And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness. The same word, demut. Own likeness. Yep. After his after his image, right? That's the same Hebrew word, Salem, and named him Seth. Named him Seth. So, so we get a glimpse of what the image and the likeness of God, how we connect to God here with how Seth connected to Adam. So was Seth Adam? No. No. So they are not the same. Were they alike? Well, yeah. So did they look alike? Probably something. It was a man. <laughs> I'm going to go that far, right? I wouldn't. There's no, there's no uh, uh, Facebook timeline photos did not start back then. So I can't go back that far and scroll back up in the history and it, it didn't work. But they looked somewhat alike because they were <coughs> men. What else do you think they might have shared? Maybe some personality traits, yeah? Maybe what else? Maybe. There was some, te- there was some understanding. There were some communication abilities there. So the ways in which Seth is like Adam is the only other place in all of the the Old Testament that uses those two words together 
that we can connect how we are like God. So think about that for a second. That's how like God we are. Now, something happened after God created Adam and Eve. What happened after God created Adam and Eve? The fall. So the question is, so are we still like God after the fall? It's a great question, right? Let's go to Genesis 9, chapter, six, uh, Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. Genesis 9, verse 6. Now, this is the story of Noah. We're firmly in the story of Noah. And God's giving Noah direction here. So what does God give Noah? What kind of direction does God give Noah in, in verse 6? You got it, Doug? Yeah. Awesome. Nine, six, right? Yep, 9-6. Can we read it? Yes, please. <laughs> I no, I just want to identify that you know where it Whoever is. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed, for in the image of God has made God, has God made man. So after the flood, they get off the boat. So, so have, were things good or bad right before the flood happened? Bad. bad. With a capital B, a capital A, a capital D underscore, highlighted, italicized, bold in red with maybe some exclamation points at the end, right? God basically hit the reset button because of how bad it was, right? And he says, even after all of that, man's still in the image of God. You guys say, okay, Jim, well, that's the Old Testament. I understand that's the Old Testament. This shows up in the New Testament as well. There's another verse on your handout. James 3, 9. James 3, 9, I think, is actually even more all-inclusive than... Genesis 9, 6. So James 3, 9. Let's slip ahead to James 3, 9. I hope you are still flabbergasted that you are more like God than anything else in the universe. <laughs> this is... I just want to keep saying that over and over and over, and that just be the lesson today, because it's just fantastic. So. Who's got... What was the verse? James 3, 9. Thank you. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. We have been made in God's likeness. We have been made in God's likeness. So is this in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Yeah. New Testament. So do you get to use the defense of, well, that's the Old Testament, it doesn't apply to me? Nope. Not so much. Yeah, not so much. We're still made in the image of God. So who's we there? Just the Christians, right? Whoa. You sure? Yes, it's everybody. Are you a human? Image and likeness of God. Christian, image and likeness of God. Not Christian, image and likeness of God. Young, image and likeness of God. <coughs> image and likeness of God, right there. Wave. Or not, that's cool. You got to run with it. Not as young, image and likeness of God. That's everybody. This fundamentally changes how we treat people. I've got an extended quote I'm going to read you here at the end of the lesson today, and I, I just, it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. So let's keep going. Are we as much like God now, after the fall, as we were before the fall? What do you think? Kind of feels like a trick question, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not a trick question. Uh, I don't think that we are. Um, I think that 
So let's go to Colossians uh, 3.10. Let's go to Colossians 3.10. Does the Bible ever talk about growing more like God? So what would that imply about our current state? We're less like Him than we could be, right? So I think the fall maybe knocked us back a bit, but we're still in the image of, in the image of God. So let me give you that. I skipped a blank, didn't I? I skipped a blank. All right. God's image is distorted, but not lost. All right. So Colossians 3.10. Who's got Colossians 3.10? Jonas, you got it? Awesome. Which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him which created him. So do I know everything that I need to know to be in the full image of Jesus Christ? So let me ask you a different way. Do I look exactly like Jesus Christ today? No, because he did not have an awesome all-star T-shirt. Right? No, I, I don't look exactly... And a great beard. Well, I think he probably had a great beard. I, I could challenge that. Um, I think he was a lot shorter, uh, but I think he probably had a great beard. The... Um, so if, if I'm not fully like Jesus Christ now, when will I be, or will I be? Can I even ask that question? Do I get to ask that question? When will I be like Christ? When I'm in heaven, right? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So, so here's the picture. God created man, image and likeness of God. Man falls. We lose something there. We grow more like God throughout the Christian walk, and then at the full restoration of all things, back to the image and likeness of God fully. Isn't that beautiful? So Julie and I watched the movie Noah. Y'all knew this was coming up, right? We watched the movie Noah, when was it? A week ago? Felt like it was, wasn't it a week ago? It was sometime this past week, right? The movie Noah is not anything really like the uh, biblical story of Noah. Um, it has a man named Noah. Uh, he has a wife in the movie. Uh, there is a boat in the movie. There is water. There are animals. He has three sons. And I want to say that's it. That's like all of the connectedness to the scripture. That's about it. There is, however, a spectacular, and some of you saw, I put this on Facebook, there's a spectacularly beautiful scene in the movie where the animals are start to come, and they start to come, and there's all different kinds of animals that come, obviously. And Noah and his wife are standing on the kind of the open bridge of the, the, the what? Gangplank. The gangplank. Excellent. Thank you. I'm not a nautical person, so I'm happy that I found the word nautical in there somewhere. <laughs> so they're standing on the gangplank, and all of a sudden, these snakes start coming. And Mrs. Noah looks at Noah and says, the snakes are coming too? <laughs> and... And I became instantly, completely overwhelmed with the grace of God. Because why would the snakes get to come? The snakes were what was associated with the fall. Wouldn't it have been just as easy just to wipe them out and leave them behind? And we'll erase all the memory of that too. But no. God's grace extended towards these snakes. And some of you are going, I wish it hadn't. But it's okay. Because it extended to you too. And there may be somebody on this planet that wishes it hadn't. And we're not worthy. We're just like the snakes. So instantly, 
I'm one of those snakes that's slithering toward the boat, and I'm like, I'm thankful for God's grace. That's awesome. It has nothing to do with any of this. I just had to tell that story today. All right. Push play back on the lesson today. All right, so we get this restoration of God's image. We won't go into 1 Corinthians and 1 John there. Uh, but there are several things that we are like God in. So I'm going to run down through these. My, my iPad's messing up on me, so I'm going to go. This is why I always bring physical pieces of paper up here too, because every once in a while there's a problem. So have I skipped any blanks yet? No. no? Excellent. Well, I did, but I went back and got it. So, yeah, that works. Awesome. So we're on number five there, specific aspects of our likeness to God. So Grudem just lists a whole, whole bunch of these. So the moral aspects, the A. Uh, we are creatures who are morally accountable before God. Right, we are morally accountable before God. So I'm, I'm going to contrast us with the next most complex things on the planet. Cats. I'm not bashing cats. I'm not bashing cats. I'm getting close. I'm looking at bashing cats, but I didn't walk across the line, okay? And I'm not about to bash dogs. I can't even go there because I know Darla will, she'll have me in a, yeah, it won't be pretty up here. So, okay. So, so, <laughs> I so hope that that's picked up on the podcast. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. All right. So uh, let's compare ourselves to something else that's complex that's, say, animals or whatever else you think is complex in the universe. There's no other created thing in the universe that's accountable to God for its actions, right? God's not holding the dogs and the cats of the world accountable for their actions at the judgment. It's not. We are different. We are special in that respect. Uh, we have a, Number two, we have an inner sense of right and wrong, right? Right? We have an inner sense of right. We, we know that was, that was morally wrong to do this. Uh, the spiritual aspects, and we not only have physical bodies, but immaterial spirits. Uh, we have a spiritual life, right? We can engage with God directly. A cat, not so much. Can't engage with God directly, just not, not on the same level. Right? Some of you are going, well, I want to challenge that. <laughs> you can, it's just not right, but you can. Yes, you're not challenging that, sorry. No. Okay, awesome. No. But they're willingly doing what they were made to do. Absolutely, absolutely. And in doing what they are made to do, they reflect the glory of God, right? Absolutely. And when we care appropriately for God's creation, we reflect the glory of God and praise Him and honor Him through that. So thank you for that. I didn't want to miss that. Uh, number six there, we have immortality. I'm going to be very careful how I handle this next statement because I'm not going to say what I would have said had there not been smaller people in the room today. And you all know where I'm going, and you need to make sure your children don't believe that lie. Okay? Because there are things in this life that are immortal, and we need to put our focus on them. And we need to make sure that we communicate to all the small ones in the world that while we can value and love and care for and engage with other parts of God's creation, that they are not on the same level as us, as human beings. Okay? Now, I say that waiting for some rock to come, uh, but the reality is we are on a different level than the animals. This is the way this works. So, we have immortality. Uh, some mental aspects. We have the ability to reason and think logically. Uh, and, and Grudem... 
I actually got to spend about five and a half or six hours in the car with him this week. Uh, it, he wasn't physically in the car. It was podcasts. That would have been cool. Wow. That would have been really cool. Uh, I would never say God again the same way if I did that then. Uh, but he, he talked about, well, you know, I've, I've talked through this with a lot of different people, and people have given me the feedback and said, well, we can train animals to do a wide variety of very complex things. Absolutely you can, but can you train the animal to train another animal that trains another animal to do a wide variety of complex things? Like, say, fill out your taxes. <laughs> that would be awesome, right? I want that cat, right? That, you find that cat. I'm interested in that cat. It's going to still stay outside. Because I'm, I'm going to still be allergic to that cat, but that's, that would be a neat cat to have. Yeah, I'll bring my taxes out to it, right? <laughs> have a little cat desk, a little cat typewriter. Wow, that's just, it, can I, I can't call that a rabbit trail if it's a cat, can I? That's a rabbit trail off of a rabbit trail, right? Wow, that was awful. All right, so we had this ability to reason and think logically. Uh, our use of complex ag- abstract language, right? Yeah. I, I saw a, a video online this week where uh, this lady had trained this dog to respond a certain way to uh, words printed on a page. Like words. She wasn't saying anything or doing it, no signals. It was just, she showed him a picture of a, a bang, and he played dead. And uh, whimper, and he got down and whimpered a little bit. And I was like, that's, that's pretty impressive. But if she put on the piece of paper, give me an analysis of William Shakespeare's second sonnet, I'm guessing the dog's not going to have a clue what to do. <laughs> right? We're on a different level. It's not the same. Um, we have an awareness, number nine, uh, of awareness of the distant future. Ten, our human creativity in art, music, literature, scientific, and technological inventiveness. Uh, Twelve, relational aspects. Um, the, the, I'm going to read you the whole section here. I don't think all this is on your handout. The depth of interpersonal harmony experienced in human marriage, in a human family when it functions according to God's principles, and in a church when a community of believers is walking in fellowship with the Lord and with each other. There's no cat church. There's no dog church. It doesn't work that way. Maybe there is somewhere. I don't know. They, they, you know what? I bet there is. I bet if somebody Googles that right now, I bet somebody's having cat church somewhere in the world right now. But the dogs don't lead the service, right? And the dogs don't go, you know what? We have needs in this dog area over here, and we're going to gather together. And, and, and I know this is humorous, right? But I'm driving home the point. We are more like God than anything else in the universe. There's just not even a second place. This is going to be critically important when we look at theological implications from this in the next couple of weeks. Um, Number 14, man has been given the right to rule over the creation. God didn't tell any other part of creation, you get to rule over that domain. You know, there are some big beasts described in the Bible. And Job talks about Leviathan and these things that we're really kind of guessing on what they are. Brian's going to, or actually, Daryl's going to preach to us this morning. We start the series on the book of Jonah. Was it a big whale? Was it a big fish? Was it, I don't know what it was, but Jonah could live in the belly of it for a couple of days. That's big. But even with that bigness, God did not tell that creature, you get to dominate the sea and you get to rule over it. Didn't give him that authority. He gave us that authority. Just like God has the authority over the entire universe and rules over all the laws of the universe. So it's, it's, we're just... Different. You kind of getting this point that we're different? We're good? Good, awesome. Uh, and then the physical aspects. 
um, Grudem, he really kind of very carefully touches on this. He says, if we are careful to point out that we are not saying that God has a physical body, we may say that, number 15, our physical bodies in various ways reflect something of God's character as well. We see, right? Do we see? Yes. Does God see? Yes. Does he see more fully and deeply and better than we do? Absolutely. Do we feel? Yes. Does he feel more fully and deeply? Yes. Do we smell? You're going to like this one. Do we smell? Yes. You know what God smells? Our prayers. Our prayers are a sweet-smelling savor to him. Now, I don't know about you. I never smelled a prayer. I don't know what prayers smell like, but he likes them. That's completely more complex and significant and engaging than we are. And then finally, we have an ability to grow, to become more like God throughout our lives. To become more like God throughout our lives. So did I skip any blanks there? I didn't? Because they were scattered all over the page. When they're scattered all over the page, I skip them many times. I'm excited about this. All right, so here's the longer uh, text that I told you I was going to read. It would be good for us to reflect on our likeness to God more often. It will probably amaze us to realize that when the creator of the universe wanted to create something, quote, in his image, end quote, something more like himself than all the rest of creation, here's your blank, he made us. This realization will give us profound sense of dignity and significance as we reflect on the excellence of all the rest of God's creation. The starry universe, the abundant earth, the world of planets and animals, The world of plants and animals and the angelic kingdoms are remarkable, even magnificent. But we are more like our creator than any of these things. We are the culmination of God's infinitely wise and skillful work of creation. Even though sin has greatly marred that likeness, we nonetheless now reflect much of it and shall even more as we grow in likeness to Christ. Yet we must remember that even fallen sinful man has the status of being in God's image. Every single human being, no matter how much the image of God is marred by sin or illness or weakness or age or any other disability still has the status of being in God's image and therefore must be treated with the dignity and respect that is due to God's image bearer. This has profound implications for our conduct toward others. It means that people of every race deserve equal dignity and rights. It means that elderly people, those seriously ill, the mentally challenged, the children and yet unborn, deserve full protection and honor as human beings. If we ever deny our unique status in creation as God's only image bearers, we will soon begin to depreciate the value of human life. We will, we will tend to see humans as merely a higher form of animal, and we will begin to treat others as such. And that's not happened in our world, has it? Yeah. This is the implication of having a false theology, is that it comes out in our lives. When our theology is rightly aligned with the Scripture, then our walk and our practice is rightly aligned with our God. And this is the implication of not understanding a good theology, a good belief system as we go through life. And this is why I'm so passionate about it, and this is why we spend time doing this. Because I could stand up here and talk about anything I want to. Y'all know that, right? Our pastors have given me complete autonomy to teach about whatever I want to teach about. And I have picked this right now because I, in my life, need to be rightly aligned with the Scripture so that in my behavior and in my walk reflect rightly my God. So I need it. So I figure if I need it, y'all need it too because y'all are like me, sinners that need help. And it's a good thing we got help through a Savior named Jesus. 
So let's look at our scripture memory passage, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. So next week, if you can stand, we're bringing it back. Here we go. If you can stand at the beginning of class and say this, I'll let you use whatever translation you want. Okay. Um, then you will have a prize for that. Uh, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God. See how much emphasis is on this image thing? This is big. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. So you remember as we do each one of the weeks with the systematic theology, there's a hymn that he puts in the back of the chapter. So I'm going to read through this hymn as well. This is Love Divine, All Love Excelling, written by Charles Wesley in 1747, which is a long time ago, right? 1747. How many of you know this, this hymn? Love Divine, All Excelling? Yes, a couple. Love Divine, All Love Excelling, Joy of Heaven to Earth Come Down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation. Enter every, every trembling heart. Breathe, O oh, breathe, thy loving spirit into every troubled breast. Let us all in thee inherit. Let us find the promised rest. Take away the love of sinning, Alpha and Omega B. End of faith as its beginning. Set our hearts at liberty. Come, Almighty, to deliver. Let us all thy life receive. Suddenly return and never, never more thy temples leave. Thee we would be always blessing. Serve thee as thy host above. Pray and praise Thee without ceasing. Glory in Thy perfect love. Finish, then, Thy new creation. Pure and spotless let us be. Let us see Thy great salvation, perfectly restored in Thee. Change from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before Thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Now, I am slightly offended that nobody has asked me why I'm wearing this awesome shirt today. Dave? I did. You did. Like in class, though. I wanted somebody to jump up and say, Jim, why are you wearing that awesome shirt today? It's not casual Sunday, no. Jonas. Hey, Jim, why are you wearing that awesome shirt? Thank you for asking that, Jonas. This is awesome. You know why? Because in the New Testament, there's a verse that talks about God's masterpiece of all creation. And you know who he's talking about? He's talking about mankind. The word, the Greek word that is used to describe the masterpiece is if an artist lined up every single work of art that he'd ever done in his entire life and he got to pick his favorite, that's the word that he used to describe us. So I wore my all-star shirt today because we are all-stars. You are an all-star to God. And don't let every, anybody ever tell you different. Okay? Cool. Thank you for coming today. In the middle of your tables is a piece of paper that says weekly update. <laughs> it's awesome thought, isn't it? You're an all-star. This is good. Yes, even if you can't play basketball, it's okay. It's okay. There's a piece of paper in the middle of your tables. Make sure your prayer requests are on that. If you would, uh, make sure your name's at the bottom. Uh, record that we're here, and uh, we appreciate you coming. We will collect our chairs and put them up against the wall at the end as well. Um, oh, you know what? Before you do, I forgot one thing. I forgot one thing. I got to meet him this week. It was really cool. So uh, y'all know that uh, we taught the series, the love series, at the end of December. 
And I'm a big Bob Goff fan. He wrote this book. Some of you have actually read the book that I gave to you, and that's cool. Uh, I got to meet him, and he signed the book. He is not a handshaker when you meet him. Guess what he is? Hugger. He's a hugger, yes. And it's not like a, a, side, a weak dugger side hug. It is, not, it is not that this is a bear hug, like knock you down. And he tells you that first. He's like, now nah, I'm a hugger. So I was like, come on! So it was, it was really awesome. Um, love does. He is ridiculously crazy, just like the story. Yes, I can absolutely believe that he did all those things in the book because uh, the man's insane. Uh, he is completely insane for Jesus. So go be insane for Jesus this week. Do something ridiculously crazy. Go love somebody. But right now, lean in and engage and love the people at that table and pray for their needs. So thanks for coming, guys.